Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Let's just, let's just take a moment uh, and pray. Father, <laughs> you, you, you and I have, have talked about this moment and what you want to do. You, you are making this place uh, your, your garden. And uh, the breath of your spirit is even now blowing on us, breathing on us, and even now giving life, even now giving freedom. And we just, just say, have your way. Just have your way. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen and amen. Look, if you have your Bibles, just go with me to, to the book of Galatians. We're going to get there. Okay, I'm just going to try to set something up, and hopefully it all makes sense and come together at some point. I, I had somebody ask me uh, not too long ago, Pastor, are we living in apocalypse right now? Is this an ap- 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 apocalyptic time? And I said, yeah, actually it is, but not in the way that you think. When we hear the word apocalypse or something that's apocalyptic, we tend to think of destruction, end of the world, uh, you know, just bombs and whatever, uh, disease and just death and all that kind of stuff. But actually, the word apocalypse in the Bible means revelation. It's never meant for destruction. It's, it's meant revelation. It means there's an unveiling. There's something that was blocking my sight that didn't allow me to see something clearly or someone clearly, that now something is moved and removed and now I can see where once I couldn't see. That's an, an apocalypse. If, 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 you, if you think about it like even a kid opening up a present on a Christmas day, you, you have the presents. My wife is the kind of person that wants to wait you know, until, until the moment. I, I, I kind of go and I shake the box around and the present, try to guess what it is. The unveiling is when you open the wrapping of that present and you take the gift out and now, now you can see it. Before it was veiled, now, now you can see. The title of the message today is Apocalypse Now. Now, in the Old Testament, the word that's used for apocalypse is the word galah, and a lot of times it's something that's interesting is used for, like, exile. So, in other words, people of Israel think they're doing okay because they're living in sin and nothing's happening yet. They haven't been struck by lightning. Everything's good. Everything's cool. The next thing they know, they're being taken out as slaves. They're taken out in exile. There's been an awakening, and they go, oh, maybe we weren't as good as we thought we were. There was an apocalypse at that moment where they, okay, I'm not as good as I thought I was. Daniel has this kind of experience where he's with Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and, and Nebuchadnezzar's coming in and he's like saying, I am God. Uh, look, at, look at everything I have. He's, he's got all power. He's got all, he can do anything he wants. And then Daniel has this experience where he sees the statue and he sees the kingdom that cannot be broken. And then it's like he comes back and sees Nebuchadnezzar as he really is, not as he projects himself to be. He has an apocalypse. And that, that gives him faith. That gives him perseverance. That gives him hope because he sees what's really there, not what somebody's trying to pretend to be. He's, he's just had this awakening. He's, he's, he's had this, wait a minute, this is what's really real. In, in fact, it's, it's like he, he goes to heaven and he sees what reality is. It's, it's like John in Revelation. 
he goes up there and, and the church is about to encounter persecution and the Holy Spirit through John is trying to prepare the church. And so he's like saying, yeah, yeah, Rome puts itself as being like, they're, they're, they're it. That's, this is the king of kings, the, the kingdom, everlasting kingdom. They, they're saying, we're, we're bringing the, the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace on the earth is coming through us. And so then he has this thing where he goes and he sees what's really happening in heaven and then he comes down and now he's able to say, oh, you're, you're not all that you say that you are. I know who you really are. He has, it's like, it's like he's given a lens, you know? It's like, it's like all of a sudden now, I have my cool sunglasses. And I, I, I wear my sunglasses at night so I can see. So, so it's like, without it, he, he sees, you know, it's, it's people projecting what they want and what they impose on others. He has this, apocalypse and he has this way of seeing as God really sees what's really really true and now now he goes oh I, I know who you are you can say all that you want to say you're not the king of kings I know who the king of kings is you're not the the everlasting kingdom you're not the one that's going to bring peace I I know who you are I can see you you know we we uh in Chile we're not able to meet at, at this time uh, to have service so everything we do is online and we have this camera, actually, that Pastor Jaira brought down with the team once uh, from, from, from Maui. And we have to focus it every, every Sunday when we do our service. So the thing that we do is we frame the shot and we make it as blurry. We go all the way to one extreme and it's blurry. And then we slowly bring it back. And then that's when you can really tell when something is in focus. There will be times that what God will do is that he will blur your vision it's a moment where all of a sudden you are groping. In fact, it's, it's like in the Old Testament, they walk around like they're drunk. They, 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 they don't know where they're at. They, they can't hold themselves up. And he does that out of a place of love because he's going after all your idols and all the things that you put your trust in. And all of a sudden, it's just blurred and you're like, what is going on? Because you put your trust in things and I say it's out of love because it's better now than on the day of judgment, right? So, so he makes everything blurry. And so everything that you had put your trust in that wasn't in Christ, everything that was an idol, it's all of a sudden, it's just fuzzy. It's just like life isn't working anymore like it was before. And so he's just simply, he's, he's calling you in to an apocalypse where you can come in and like, let's look at things like they really are. You've gotten yourself too influenced by the world and the way they see their things and, and by, by their thinking and their logic and their priorities and their values. You've been influenced too much. Let's just, I'm just gonna just mess around with your lens for a little bit so that then we can come and we can get something very clear. And this is what he focuses the lens on. And it's on a person. It's on Jesus. In Hebrews chapter one, he says, the author says, look, in the past, God has spoken through different ways, through our forefathers, through prophets. And, but, but in these days... He has spoken through his son. Jesus is now both the package and he's also the message. Yes. And what God does, anytime that we find ourselves like, I, I don't know what's gonna happen, I, I don't understand. Anytime that you find yourself even in need and you can't even find direction, what he will do is he'll bring you to a place where he'll put his focus and your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, this is your answer. It's, it's not a thing. It's not a formula, it's a person. It's a person. Anything and everything that you need is found 
in Jesus. You need wisdom? Well, he's wisdom. Uh, you need power? Well, he's the power of God. Well, what is it that you need? You find it in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, Peter talks about that we have these precious promises through our knowledge of him, meaning that the way that I have access to the promises, and you can even put in there prophetic words and whatever God is trying to do in my life, is through knowing Jesus Christ. There's nothing that the Father will do separate from the Lord Jesus Christ. He will always present a clear picture of who he is. And we find that happening over and over again. I mean, the whole book of Colossians, for example, Paul writes, you know, he's writing this letter to correct. There's all this heresy going on and all this kind of stuff. He never even really enumerates all the problems that are happening there, all the, all the, all the false doctrine that they have. What he does is that he presents Jesus, a fresh, clear revelation of Jesus. And he believes that if they have that clear in their minds and in their hearts and in their imaginations, that'll be enough for them to be able to discern what's truth and what's false. He doesn't go doctrine by doctrine. Well, this is false because of this reason and this here, and don't listen to this. He just says, look at who Jesus is, get a clearer picture of who he is and you'll be okay. And we find ourselves at a place exactly there. What is the Holy Spirit doing in our midst? He is bringing us to the place where we see Jesus more clearly than we've ever had before. And it's Jesus that actually gives, even he's the one that gives revelation of who he is. Like, like I know I told you to go to Galatians, but in Matthew, for example, he does this, um, he, he, uh, he does this prayer. Let me see if I can find it. It's in Matthew chapter 11. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, in chapter 11, he, this is verse 25. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and have apocalypsed them to little children. You've revealed it to little children. Yes, Father, for such, is, such was your gracious will, and all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to apocalypse him. It's the word apocalypse right there. Who he chooses to reveal. In fact, we could say in one aspect that the gospel is really about an apocalypse. It's, he's, this is what he's saying. Nobody knows who I really am unless there is a revelation of who I am. There is a needed apocalypse for them to know who he is. In ourselves, we are blind. But once we, we come to Christ, and it's through the Spirit that we're able to see. So Paul says in Galatians chapter, um, where was I? Galatians chapter 1. I just want to read this verse here. I, I absolutely love it. In verse 15. Now, Paul is defending his ministry because there's people that are going to try to undo everything that he's, that he's done and that he said. And so he's trying to defend his ministry. And this is, this is what he says. This is Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who set me apart from my mother's womb, it literally says, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal, this gives the father pleasure to do this. He, he loves doing this. I don't have to twist his arm. He, you know, he, he wants to do this. Reveal his son, now, some translations, what is this? Son in me. It's actually correct right there. Some translations say to me. It's as though Paul is having this thing and the father comes and says, let me reveal something about Jesus to you. I'm gonna teach you something about Jesus. 
Paul uses the language right here, and it's very important. He says, reveal Christ in me. In me. And actually becomes the basis of, I mean, you, you can't escape his teaching when he talks about this. Everything's in Christ, to Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, from Christ. I mean, you just can't escape it. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. We are sitting, sit, sitting uh, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Everything's with Christ. You just can't get away from it. So he says, he, he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And I, I did not immediately consult with anyone. He's, just, he's, just, he's defending. And this is, what he, this is the way how he, he describes what has happened to him. The father revealed Christ, and he had this apocalypse, this Christ in him, and that became the basis through which he began to preach Christ to others. I, I, I have a, a personal conviction um, about, just even when it comes to, I, I imagine standing before Jesus on the day of judgment, And I, I doubt that when I go up there that he's going to go, you know, Bruno, that one time when you said the word shift, you almost cussed. And uh, Gabe and I were talking and uh, we're deducting a few points off your crown that you have. And that one time you, you gave an illustration and, and you got the dates mixed up. And so I'm going to deduct some more points off of that. And, uh, you know, you gave a few jokes. They weren't really that funny. And uh, I'm just going to. Just, yeah, the fly, all that, you know, it's like, just enough. Just let it die, let it die, you know what I mean? I doubt, it, I doubt that that's gonna be what I'm gonna be answering to. I believe that what I'm gonna be answering to is that I present him well to others. <laughs> that I introduce others to him. See, see, Paul, when he's preaching, he's not trying to preach good sermons, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm not against it. I obviously want to preach well. You know what I mean? That, that wasn't really his end goal. Like, man, that was a great sermon. And he's high-fiving Jesus and Gabriel in heaven, right? It, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's, did I present Jesus clearly? Was there an unveiling of Jesus Christ in what I shared with other people? Yes or no? That, that's, that's the thing. And so Paul has this experience, and we could go like, well, that, that was Paul. I mean, he was on his road to Damascus, and like, good for Paul. But, you know, my experience was different, and, and that, that's all well and great. But this is the thing about Paul, and the way that he even describes what Christ has done and is doing in him. It wasn't just simply that he had this revelation himself of Christ in him, is that now he gets to invite others into that same experience, so, so check it out, like, like, like in Acts chapter 9, we go and we find his experience on the road to Damascus, right? And so I'm, I'm just going to read a few of the verses here. Um, and, and in verse 4, he, well, he has this light from heaven that's shown around him. This is Acts 9, 4. And Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He at least had enough sense to know that this was a Lord, right? Doesn't know who he's talking to, but he's like, Lord, Okay. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, just, just even listen to this language. Jesus wasn't on earth physically when Paul is persecuting the church. 
But he comes to him and says, why are you persecuting me even though you're going after other believers? It's the Christ in me where his body, okay. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Okay, now um, in verse seven, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. I'm just gonna jump down to verse 17. Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you so that you may regain your sight. Isn't it interesting? He, he thought he knew that he could see clearly. And the first thing that happens when he encounters Jesus is he goes blind. He has to be led like a blind man because that's exactly his spiritual state and condition. He had all the knowledge. He was the, I mean, he's what? The equivalent of three doctorates, whatever. You know what I mean? And, and yet he's blind. And so he has to face his own blindness. He's got to live with that. And here comes this person, Ananias, who's just a brother in the church. It's not this big preacher, apostle. He's not this big, not, no title. He just shows up in this part of the story. It's just a brother that comes. And this is what he tells him. He says, um, uh, be filled, to regain your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is introduced as the means by which I'm able to see when I couldn't see before. I was blind. I had a lot of knowledge. Paul had excellent knowledge when it comes to things. of the. I mean, there's no one like him. He's just brilliant. He's a brilliant man. But he was blind. He, he, he didn't know who Jesus was. He's spiritually blind, had nothing. And then in verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. And he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. I just want to propose to you that what we're called to do, and even what this power conference is all about, is to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ so that then later we become an encounter of the Lord Jesus Christ to others. Okay? Now, Paul recounts this again in verse 22. I mean, chapter 22. So Acts 22, he tells this story a couple more times. Um, verse 14, I just want to highlight a couple things on this. And uh, he said in verse 14, this is uh, Acts 22, verse 14, he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, this is what you're called to do, to see the righteous one. I just find that beautiful. You've been appointed to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. You have been set apart to know the will of God and to see, for you will be a witness. Can I, can I just suggest to you, you can't be a witness of something that you aren't experiencing in your own life. Some of us have a hard time witnessing to other people because we're dead inside. We have no relationship with the Father. You have nothing to talk about. So you got to go through these formulas because that's all you got. You have nothing of life or substance to give. But if you're living as watching and seeing the righteous one, well, now you have actually life to give because you're connected to a person. You actually have somebody you can introduce to other people. 
And it's not just formulas and all these arguments that you're trying to beat and win, you know, the agnostic person or Jehovah Witness at your job. It's where you are actually presenting the Lord Jesus Christ because you actually have something to witness about because you actually have a life with him. You have something to actually give up. That's what it means to be a witness, right? I mean, if you witness a car accident, it's because you were there, you experienced it, you saw it, you share, hey, this is what happened. From my point of view, this is it right here. This is my experience. When you are a witness of Christ, it's because there's a living relationship that you have with him, and you have something to share with somebody else, and it's actually life-giving. You're not just sharing little stories that you've heard about. No, no, no. These are real experiences that you've had. And this is what Paul says. Like, this is part of what my commission is. And I, I want to propose that this is what we're all called into to doing and to being. Having this living experience with Jesus, right? I mean, don't, don't, don't we say it's, it's a relationship, it's not a religion, right? But we act like we don't know him. We don't experience the realities of his presence and his spirit. And we, we treat him like he's just somewhere far away. And he's just, when I get, you know, when I get a chance, I'll, I'll connect with him. And he's, 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 our, he's our life, right? Right? I mean, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I, I, I can't live unless I'm already connected to him. There's no fruit bearing unless I'm connected to him. So if I'm not learning to live my life in and through, or let me say it this way, allowing him to live his life through me, right? Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. And you're like, how do I do that? Well, the life that I live now in the flesh and body on, here on earth is through his faith. Through his faith. That, that's, it's, it's his life. Right? I mean, you, you drink the water of life, John chapter 4. It'll be a bubbling brook inside of you. John chapter 7, come to me, you who are thirsty, drink. It means believing. This is how you drink. It'll be rivers of living water inside of you. And yet we're constantly thirsty and we're constantly dry and we have nothing to give anybody else. Could it be that we're just not connecting to him and we have allowed ourselves to be blinded of his reality and his beauty and his majesty and just all that he is. And, and so we have, nothing, we have nothing to give. We're just, we're just dry. Instead of being a living well, we're, we're, we're just, we're, man, we're, we're cisterns. We're, we're nothing. So this is what he says. He says, you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard, which is exactly what it means to testify. It's being a witness of what you've seen and heard. In Jesus. Let's go one more, one more place. Acts chapter 26. No, we're going to go to verse 17. I think that's the right one. No, I don't think it is. Oh, it's down further. Hold on. Give me a second. I can't read my own handwriting here. Oh, give me revelation now. I need an apocalypse right now because I can't find this verse. <laughs> oh, I'm in chapter 24. That's my fault. Okay, that was embarrassing. All right. Okay, Acts chapter 26, um, verse, verse uh, I'll, you know, I'll just go to 16. 
Rise, stand up to your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant, a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Now, now look at what his ministry is all about in verse 18. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So his whole ministry, Jesus says, the reason why you've had this apocalypse is so that now you can go to other people that were blind like you were. You can open their eyes that they may actually see that they can turn from darkness to light, the kingdom of Satan, to the kingdom of his beloved son, that they might find by faith, the faith that's in Jesus, the forgiveness of sin. This is what it's, what it's about. It's people encountering Jesus through us. Because we've had this apocalypse, now I have something to give someone else, Right? I mean, I mean, when we look at even what the enemy does, right? In 2 Corinthians, Paul, again, this is totally, Paul just keeps talking about this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, he, he talks about what the, the God of this age. Hold on a second. Now my Bible is acting up. Here we go. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to go to chapter 4. Okay, this is in in verse four. In their case, the God, small g, of this world, what is he doing? Has blinded the minds of unbelievers, those that don't believe, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He's trying to prevent them. Because if they see Jesus, everybody wants Jesus. They just saw him. They'd want him. So what the enemy does is that he comes and he tries to put blinders on people's eyes, prevents them from seeing, from having an apocalypse, because he knows that if they are able to see his beauty and his majesty, it's over. If the church is able to see his beauty and his majesty, like there wouldn't be any of the complaining. There wouldn't be any kind of fear. It doesn't even matter what happens. It doesn't matter what comes out. You just understand who he is. You understand the worship that's already taking place in heaven, in the throne room, and you're just like, I'm already there. I mean, you would, you, you, you would see with, with clarity, and it would give you faith. It would give you hope. It would give you perseverance. It actually give you all the things that you need. It all has to do with what you see, Right? Hebrews 12, how do we run this race? Placing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Right? For the joy set before him, before the cross, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. How, how does it that we run? Is by keeping our eyes single on him. And it's just simply going like, you are amazing. There is no one like you. There's nothing that compares to you. Not Facebook, not Netflix, not how many likes I get on Instagram, whether this guy likes me or doesn't like me or this relationship or if I get this money or don't get it. it none of that even matters whenever you see his, it just all pales in comparison. And all that matters at that moment is just like, I get to be in his presence. 
and that is my highest calling. That is my privilege. That is my greatest joy. Nothing else compares to that, and nobody can even take that away from me. And that, that, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm basking in that. In fact, that's the place where there's transformation, right? And, and, and just a, a chapter before, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says now in verse 17, well, he's talking about this veil, that even when they read Moses, there's something that prevents them from seeing. Moses points to Christ and they cannot see it. They are prevented from seeing it. There's this veil that covers them. And now verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. Now Paul's not saying that I get to dance like David dances and I'm, I'm gonna just twirl around. He's saying when there's freedom is that there's nothing that hinders me from seeing Jesus. I have full, I can see him. I can experience it. There's nothing that limits this, right? In the New Testament, Paul uses the word mysteries like more than any other writer. And the majority of the time, it's something that was hidden at another point in time for you and me to enter into now. And now that mystery is revealed, and guess what? It's Jesus. Everything points to him, and everything has to do with him. And it's not just this Christocentric thing where he's the middle and the center of my, he is my everything. I don't live, I don't breathe, I don't move. It's just everything has to do with him. I don't have time to be offended. I don't have time to be in unforgiveness. I'm not gonna allow any kind of sin in my life, not because I'm trying to be this, this like, like somebody like just super saint. It's because I don't want anything to interrupt my relationship with him. And anytime something creeps up on me, I'm quick to cast that off and if I have to forgive, I'll forgive. And if I've got to ask for forgiveness, I'll do it. Who cares? Because all I want is him, him. And I won't sell it to anything or anyone. I don't care what price I've got to pay. It just doesn't even matter. It's him. He is my everything. Now, now listen, he says here, and we all, in verse 18, what, who, who's the all? The ones that have the spirit and are free to see. I was once blind, but now I See, with unveiled face. Notice how even Paul says it. It's not that Jesus is veiled and now they're going to unveil Jesus. Jesus is unveiled in what Paul's writing here. I just can't see him because I got something over my head. With unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are transformed. You know that, that word transformed is a word that's used only four times in the New Testament. Twice to describe the transfiguration of Jesus. Once in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here, be transfigured. The more I see him, the more I know him, the more I love him, the more I become like him, and then it's the more I see him. In fact, I, I'd encourage you, here's just a tip when it comes to prophetic words. Um, get this from Paul and his response to Jesus. When you get a prophetic word or even a promise or God speaks to you, I'd encourage you to, to do the following. Bring that to a relationship with him. 
we tend to, I, I've seen this before. It's almost like, what'd you get? What word did you get? Oh, I got prophet to the nations. You know, like, nah. I can't wait for the leadership in this house to finally recognize what I already knew. It's about time. I'm going to let them, I'm going to share this to everybody. And I'm just going to let them know. You, you've just, you've missed the whole thing. You've missed it. You've missed it. You bring that word into relationship with Jesus. And then these are two great questions that Paul says. Who are you, Lord? Right? We, we tend to go, when something bad happens, why me, Lord? And I become the victim of the circumstance. And then I'm, I'm blaming him. Right? I mean, like, like, like the father thought of you before the foundation of the world. He sent his son for you and for me who didn't hold back his son, but gave him freely for us all. Well, not all, you know, give us all things freely along with him. And then we live as though he has nothing better to do than just to mess with us. Like, give me a break. He's your number one fan. So the question is, Lord, who are you? In this season of my life, how do you want to reveal yourself to me? How, 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 how do you want me to know you? What aspect and of your personality, of your character. Maybe it's shepherd, and he just wants to give you security and safety, saying, I'm the one that's going to guide you, and I'm going to protect you. I will give you the wisdom and the direction. You're like, God, I need wisdom. He goes, yeah, yeah. In this season, you're going to know me as your shepherd. It's, it's a great question because it places me in a, in a position of faith in how I respond to things. Like, in this situation, I may not like it. I don't have to like the situation. But in this situation, it give, brings me to connection with him. So even in this prophetic word I get, Lord, how do you want to reveal yourself to me in this? I got this word. Why are you talking to me about this thing? What is it that you want me to know about you in this circumstance and situation? And then the second question, this is what Paul says, what would you have me do? How, 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 how do I respond in faith to this? What do I need to do? What step do I need to take? This is a great, great two questions to just ask just in life in general because it forces me, it helps me to go and to know him, forces me to take action in relationship to him. And it's not the separate thing I got here. I got my words and my relationship with Jesus is somewhere else. We do weird things sometimes. It's, it's, it's bringing everything in connection with him because everything is connected to him anyways. If what the Father is having to say is Jesus and presenting a revelation of Jesus, I think it would be a good idea when we get a prophetic word to say, how does this point to Jesus? How does it bring me closer to him? And how do I get to know him during this season of time? Because he's promised to never leave me. He's always with me. He gives me, look, you have everything that you need for life and for God. You already have it. Do you realize that when, he, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, they had access to everything. He, they had the tree of life. It wasn't like, let's see how you do, and then I'll see if you can have the tree of life. They had everything. Just don't do this one thing. And we know the story to that, right? It's not like he's holding back. He's given you everything. What is it that you need? Oh, he's, you have it. But here, here's the thing. We don't experience it. Well, in one way, I think it's because we don't believe it. It's always over the horizon someplace, right? Someday, an anointed preacher will come here 
will pray for me. I'm going to get this like lightning bolt will just hit me and my life will be changed from then on. How about I get to know him now and I walk in the transformation in my relationship with him knowing and understanding I've got everything that I need. See, this is is how I understand it. It's like, imagine that you have this wealthy grandfather that passes away and leaves you all these deeds of land and money. And you go and you sign with the lawyer, everything's yours legally. And you just go and you go about your own life. It's yours, but you're not benefiting from it. Now, suppose that you have the same thing happen, but this time you go out and you survey the land. You go camp out there. You go fishing. You're stepping on that ground. You're experiencing it. You decide, this is what I'm going to do. And you start planning and plotting and all this kind of stuff. And future, this is what we're going to do. That's a totally different experience. Still yours, different experience. I'm telling you that the key, the key to revival is coming to understand and know who he is. In fact, any revival that you study is bringing the church back to, here's Jesus. It's, it's, it's come, to, come to know him. It's, here, here he is with clarity. And it's not just something that's out there, right? It's, it's something that can happen now. So, so, so we, we pray for revival, and I think that's it's a valid thing, right? Uh, obviously, yeah? Amen? Okay? You guys with me? All right. Sometimes, though, I feel like that revival is always over the horizon, we're always praying and we're reaching and grasping for something we can't, you know, it's like, it's like climbing up a mountaintop and you're like, the peak is right there, I'm gonna get there. And then every, as you keep walking, it seems like it gets further away. Have you ever had that experience? You're just like, what in the world is going on? And what thought you thought was gonna be 30 minutes is like three hours later, you haven't even reached the top of the thing. It's just always out of your reach. But, but see, faith speaks of tomorrow as though it was yesterday, right? Like, like to say to the younger people, faith speaks of yeeting as though it was yeeted, right? Okay, yes, it is. So what if we go like with William Booth, who was the founder of Salvation Army, and he wouldn't say, like, I'm praying for, he says, I am revival. Do you see the shift that changes there? I'm not not just praying for an encounter. I am an encounter everywhere I go, everywhere I step, something changes in the atmosphere. See, we, we, we get, remember like in the 90s, there was all this teaching like, don't, don't go to the movies because you don't know if a warlock sat in that chair and you don't know what movies they were showing and don't go to the, don't get your nails done because you don't know what they're into and you might get stuck with a demon, that kind of a thing. And then it's like, can I even get out of the house? You know, because maybe, maybe a warlock just walked right by and I, I might get some kind of demon and it's like, where do you draw the line? Well, well, see, in, in, the, in the kingdom, it's, it's backwards. It's absolutely, the demons need to be careful where we step. Because the moment I come into a room, I am the ultimate authority because of who's in me. If the same Christ, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in me, who can be against me? And so I can walk into my job or my workplace, and if they're doing all this crazy stuff, it's their problem. It's not my problem. I'm not getting a headache because of it. They're going to get the headache because of it. 
I, I, have, I have a friend of mine that went up and was just, was praying for someone and so they introduced this lady and he went and hugged her. And also she's like, like backed off and she was screaming. She's like, what, what have you done to me? He's like, what, I just hugged you, I'm sorry. You know, like, and she's like, no, something shifted in me. I said the word shift, it in me. And she was a witch and felt the demons go. And he was just saying, hey, how are you? You're just hugging. Was unaware, and then moment he understood, he goes, they'll never come back. You'll never hear them again. And she's like freaked out of her brains, right? Out of her mind. What, what if we begin to understand what it is that we carry? And, and this, is, this is the thing. As I have encountered Jesus, it's not just for me. It's now everywhere I go, people can sense his presence. Miracles can happen. How can they not happen? Atmospheres can shift and change because of the one that I carry, the one that has been revealed in me. And I personally believe you aren't saved unless that has actually happened. So if you go like, I will never have that, you, you already have it, you just don't know it yet. As I come to know him more, this becomes more and more my reality, right? I experience it, I walk in the promise, and everywhere I walk, like this is this is holy ground, this is holy ground, and now now here's holy ground. Why? Why? Because I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that was in the tabernacle in the temple, right? And right, it's, it's it's not it's not a watered down version of the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit, and and if Paul or, or, or Moses uh, in the burning bush, he's like, take off your sandals. Uh, the, the the place where you are is holy ground. He's like, it's sacred. It's a different kind of ground because of where I'm I'm here. And wherever we walk, we, we carry this with us. And he's just, he's just with us. And, and, and this, is, this is what our life becomes. It's like, I get to enjoy his presence. And as I enjoy his presence and I bask in him and I, I just get to know him, that's my job. That's my calling. I have something now to give to other people. And miracles just begin to happen. Miracles happen. Pain has to leave. Healing begins to take place. And it's not because, oh, look at me, how cool I am. It's look at who is in. Right? Paul says, I won't venture to speak of anything except what Christ has done through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. It's just, it's just, it's just him. He goes, yeah, yeah, those miracles. Yeah, it was just Christ in me. We've got to come to a greater revelation of just who he is. And he's just, he's amazing. And this is, look, this is what eternal life is, right? To know him. To experience him. That's why Paul prays that we'd have the spirit of wisdom and apocalypse. Revelation and the knowledge of him that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened that we know the hope to which we've been called, the inheritance and the power that operates in those who believe and we are those of who believe and the power is the power of the resurrection. Tell me, is there something that that power can't do? If it can raise Christ from the dead, can it move your mountain? Can it bring healing? Can it bring transformation? That's what operates through you and through me. And he's just, he's just so good. And our job is just simply to know him. Even, even during this conference, I encourage you, 
Just say, I, I just want to know you. <laughs> I, I just want to know you. That that would be even our highest calling. It's just simply to know him. That, 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 that's it. That's it. He's just so good. He's just so good. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.